Hello and welcome back to the Premier Talk podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, as always, Andrew Mello. And alongside with me is Daniel Barbudo, Danny B. How's it going, brother? I'm doing good, Andrew. How are you? I'm amazing. You know, Portugal's in the World Cup. And that's what this whole episode is going to be about today, World <laughs> Cup talk. And, you know, I know it's going to pain you deeply, Daniel, that the it Italian it national team is not in the World Cup for the second consecutive uh, World Cup tournament. Um, so so it's tough. I know it's tough, but it's it's hot right now. We want to talk about the groups. The groups were decided the other day, the draw. So we're going to get into that as well. Daniel, without further ado, the starting lineup. Kicking us off the starting lineup, we've got the new substitution rules that will be implemented by the Premier League next year. And then we got the FIFA Qatar 2022 World Cup draw breakdown we'll give you our thoughts on the groups everything um everything dark horse you name it man we're, we're gonna talk about it all i'm excited for that world cup man i'm excited so we gotta dive into the premier league quickly because you know premier talks all about the premier league new substitution rules they got new substitution rules coming into place i believe on thursday the premier league announced a change to its substitution rules from the beginning of next season clubs will not now be permitted to use five substitutions during the match in three pauses of play, in addition to a halftime interval. Nine substitutions can still be named to your bench, but this just allows more creativity for the teams. Instead of three subs, you can now bring in five. It's been implemented basically in most leagues now that you're allowed to bring in five subs. I think the Premier League is one of the only leagues that reverted back to three since COVID. Um, But now I think they realize that around the world is working. So why not implement it? And I like the change, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, it has to be three stoppages, though. If it was, like, five stoppages per team, that'd be mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous, like, making individual subs. Um, I like it. Um, ever since COVID, this post-COVID era, it's it's been an, a new rule that's been implemented almost everywhere but the Premier League itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that it provides a fair um, ability for teams to adapt, especially with COVID, right? You have COVID cases, you could have... Um, guys struggling with fitness and stuff and whatnot, right? So I, I think it's a smart rule. You don't even have to use all five. You can still just use three mm-hmm. if you want to use three. So I think it just provides uh, more availability for, for some of the it, – it does favor the bigger teams for sure. The bigger clubs, yeah. It does. It really does because some of these smaller clubs that don't have the depth like of a City or a Chelsea or um, a Liverpool, you know, they're not necessarily going to want to make five subs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a, just a, you know, a fact and – uh, if you're City, you're you're happy. If you're Liverpool, you're happy because it gives you the ability to adapt the game if you need to adapt it even more. So mm-hmm. and give those those other key players some more some more of a rest. So mm-hmm. I, I, for those clubs, it's going to be really really beneficial. It also turns into more like a tactical masterclass from managers because realistically, if you're up one nil, you're going to bring in some defenders, and then if the team equalizes, now you have the opportunity to go and put some more attackers on the field to try to get that goal that, that gives you the three points. And for a team like City or Liverpool right now where they're battling and they're trying to maintain a one-nothing win, they bring on defenders and then let's say they tie it up. It's very difficult for them now with more defenders on the field than attackers for them to go out there and score goals. So I really like how this changes the way managers need to think. I think this, like you said, it allows more opportunity for the bigger clubs 
I know for the smaller clubs, most of the time they barely even make their three subs anyway, so they don't have the depth, like you said. But uh, for a manager like Pep or Klopp, like this is going to be great to see because the depth that they have and the, the tactical substitutions that they can make throughout the entire game is going to be fantastic to watch. Yeah, um, fantastic rule change, and I'm excited to see what happens next year with the implementation. Mm-hmm. Daniel, it's a sweet and short episode today, but we got a fantastic topic. Everybody loves international tournaments, the Euro Cup, um, and obviously the biggest prize of them all is is the World Cup. The World Cup. And, um, man, Canada for the first time in 36 years is back there, so a lot of people from here are going to be rooting for them. Um, so there's there's been a lot of exciting stories happening in qualification, and now it's all boiled over to the point where um, all, all that stuff is two international spots are left. Uh, for three. Inter- th- there's there's three there's there's a euro yeah. there's a euro spot and then the two intercontinental intercontinental yeah um to be decided and um we'll, we'll get through that in the details of which teams are still up for for qualification of course um mm-hmm. but daniel start us off with group a it's group a all the way to h but let's let's kick it off with group a and how that how that panned out okay so group a we got uh from pot one qatar from pot two, Netherlands, from pot three, Senegal, and pot four, Ecuador. It's all basically the way that they had to do it is, is it doesn't go in that order when they were when they were doing the pots, it went in that order, but they got placed in a in a I believe one, two, three, or four based on scheduling. So like Qatar's one, Ecuador's two, Senegal's three, Netherlands is four. Um, and that was all scheduling purposes. Look, Qatar, you knew they were gonna be in pot A, they have to be because they're the host nation, they're, yeah. they're the host nations. And I don't even think they're going to come out of this group, to be completely honest with you. I think they're going to struggle, too, because that's a strong team. And, you know, Senegal coming off their uh, their win against Mohamed Salah's Egypt both times in uh, the AFCON and to get into the World Cup in qualifying. Bro, don't sleep so on Ecuador, they're going to be a good team. Don't sleep on Ecuador, man. Ecuador, Ecuador too. Have- like, realistically, like this... I haven't had that qualification, actually, so... Yeah, so, like, this... They're going to be good. This... This Qatar team, I don't think is going to make it out of this group stage. Yeah, I'm gonna for for Group A. I think it's going to be Netherlands one, Senegal two. Mm-hmm. Um, Senegal, um, they they were fantastic during the entirety of the the Afcon. Um, they got some some decent talent, obviously superstar power in uh, Sadio Mane, mm-hmm. um, and some very good role players like Kuyati is a good. Experienced player plays in the Premier League for for Crystal Palace. Of Crystal Palace, yeah. Um, Edward Mendy in goal, solid hands. Um, you got the likes of Koulibaly playing center half. So they have some really top European players that play mm-hmm. European football. So um, I, I think Senegal is going to beat out Ecuador for that for that uh, second spot in the group. Um, but but also don't sleep on Ecuador because they they had a really good qualification. Um, you're obviously qualifying ahead of teams like Chile and Colombia. So. Um, they they did really well. And I know if you're, I know coming into uh, the draw, people wanted Canada to be in this Qatar. It was possible. It was possible simply because it was it was possible, but it was simply just because Qatar isn't at the same level as the other teams in in Pot A. So mm-hmm. if you could already knock off a top team coming into your group, it allows for a better chance for you to make it past the knockout round than if they're on a sixteen. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case here, but it would have been nice. Yeah, Daniel, to Group B we go. This is an interesting one. Um, it's it's England, uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, USA, mm-hmm. and, and then we have 
it's still on the side. This is the European playoff uh, spot that still hasn't been decided. So Wales is in the finals and they have to play either the winner of Ukraine and Scotland. And then the winner of that, that game plays, plays Wales. Uh, plays Wales. Yeah. So, and then the winner of Wales and whoever it is goes to the world cup. So um, I think honestly, if, if uh, I don't know with the state of Ukraine right now, it's, it's hard what's going on for the players, of course, in the Federation, who knows if they're going to even be able to play. Um <laughs> But but if they do, I, I still think something tells me Wales is going to end up making this last spot. They they did yep. really well, um, and Bale's always always been that guy for them. And um, I I think I think it's be Wales. I think Wales is going to do it. And if they round off this group with Wales, uh, Iran, and and USA, it's it's open that second spot. I think England's going to take first spot in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but that second spot's definitely up for grabs. Um, even USA, they've they've had a whatever qualification. I don't know. I think Wales might end up qualifying and then coming. Whoever takes that European spot, I think is going to come second in this group. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to be Wales. I would like to see Ukraine go through. I know they were decent in uh, in the last World Cup and in the Euros. Um, look, I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now in Ukraine, so we don't know how if they're even going to be able to play this game or how they're going to fare against a team like Scotland. I think if they beat Scotland, they beat Wales. I think if Scotland beats Ukraine, no Wales will beat Scotland. So it's kind of like a, a mix up there. Um, but yeah, I agree completely. Whoever wins this playoff is going to take the second spot because I think they'll beat out the likes of uh, the U.S. and Iran. Just simply because I think U.S. is a better team than Iran, but U.S. has had an awful qualifying. Like I think their qualifying was brutal because everyone expected them to top the group with Canada and Mexico, but they ended up finishing third. So... I don't know. We'll see how this pans out. That's the beauty of the World Cup, though. You you can there's of course there's going to be predictions, but you never know how it's going to go. The, the beauty of football, it's great. Daniel, Group C, Messi fanboy. I love it. I got I got the first. You got to be go. happy with this group if you're Argentina because mm-hmm. you you're catching Saudi Arabia, you're catching Mexico. That had a they're in a weird state right now. They're not the oh, same Mexico from the last World Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. and you got to watch out for Poland. Poland's a sleeper, in my opinion. Um, they, they got some real quality on that team, obviously, the likes of Lewandowski, but just some of the players around around uh Lewa, like there, there's some decent Z- class. Zielinski, Zielinski that plays his club football for Napoli. Um, Napoli, yeah. then you got some, then you got some experience with uh, uh, Wojciech Chesney and goal. Um, th- th- there's some really decent players on that team that uh. Mm-hmm you know, help them squeak by and beat out Sweden for this last spot uh, in Group C in that playoff there. So, I don't know. I think Argentina should should breeze past this group, and I think that Poland's definitely going to take the second spot. I don't see Mexico uh, doing it, and definitely not Saudi Arabia. Mexico was poor this this um, this qualification window, losing and tying against Canada, um, mm-hmm. dropping points against some of the smaller nations. So, I really don't see Mexico coming second. I think Poland's going to secure that second spot for sure. And really, I think it's going to be a really uh, one of those games that you have to tune in against Argentina and Poland. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think Mexico-Poland's going to be a really good game because they kick off their group. It's Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Mexico-Poland. Those are the first two matchups of this group. And I think whoever wins that matchup is going to win this, is going to take that second spot in this group. Because I think Argentina will go and win all three games. They'll take the nine points from this group. But uh, the winner of Mexico Poland for me goes through. Yeah, that's definitely an option. I just don't, bro. Mexico are poor, man. They're really poor this window. I don't know. 
they got, they they got poor, some... but at the same time, like they have quality. Yeah, Jimenez. Not like they don't. Jimenez up top. Uh, Lozano. Lozano. Yeah. There's some decent, decent caliber players that that play in Europe. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them play domestic football as well in Mexico. So they got some decent guys, but not 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 to the level that Poland does. Anyways, That's... Daniel. Group, group D. Yeah, Group D. What do you think about this one? France, Denmark, Tunisia, and then the qualifying between Australia needs to play United Arab Emirates, and then the winner of that game goes on to face Peru, and then the winner of that game gets into the World Cup. Okay, this is for me. France is going to blow through this group. Yeah. The only good. team they might have a little bit of trouble with, but I don't think they'll have much just because of simply the quality of France, is Denmark. Because Denmark's team has been an unreal form coming in to this World Cup. In qualifiers, they were amazing. They've been fantastic over there, literally since the Euros. Even qualifying for the Euros, that's where like their, their long streak began. Um, I think France and Denmark are, are going to take this group, no matter who comes through in that qualifying. Um, it's going to be a cakewalk for, I think, both these teams. Yeah, I think uh, France, obviously, clear favorites, obviously big favorites to repeat as World Cup champions. They're the mm-hmm. defending World Cup champions, so... France, France, obviously the caliber players they have, they should easily uh, dominate in this group. I don't know if Denmark's going to have the success they had in the Euros. I think mm-hmm. that uh, you know they've been solid in qualifying for sure, but at the same time, I don't know if they're going to be able to you know to reach the heights that they did in the Euro because because I don't think a lot of people were expecting that in the Euros, and I think that they're on the radar now and uh, they won't they won't breeze through like they did in that in that in that tournament again. Um, Tunisia. They 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 just squeaked in and they're qualifying. Um, they played the Republic Democratic Republic of Congo. It wasn't really a big big opponent for them, but they just sort of found their way in. And I I honestly think that from those three spots of UAE, Australia, and Peru, I think Peru's gonna definitely. I think they're gonna be the team to qualify. Um, they just missed out going automatic qualification. I think that they have some they have some decent talent. Um, and they're a fairly competitive team, um, so I think that Peru can can sneak in, and they'll they'll definitely finish ahead of whoever. Who are, I think I think Tunisia is going to finish dead last in this group. I don't see them. Yeah. I don't see them winning a game. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, um, especially with the like against the likes of Denmark and France, they're going to destroy. Yeah. Um, so I think I think they're going to finish dead last, and then that intercontinental spot is going to finish third. I think it's going to be France and Denmark. It's a safe and realistic options there. Moving on to Group E. Group E, this is probably the best group, just simply because the top two teams. Yeah. Um, you got the likes of Spain. Then you got the uh, still qualifying. You got Costa Rica versus New Zealand. I think Costa Rica should be able to take New Zealand and make it into this group. And then you got the likes of Germany and Japan. So obviously you can see right away the top two teams in this one are going to be Spain and Germany. Yeah. I don't think Germany is going to falter like they did. Um, I don't think that'll happen again. I think they'll, they have a way better team. The youngsters, the young talent on this team is unreal. They have veterans on this team. They have, uh, they have everything for me. I think they're, they're a real contender to go on and win this world cup along with Spain. Um, so I think both Spain and Germany are going to breeze past this group, making it into the round of 16. I don't think like Costa Rica, Japan, like they don't even have a chance at realistically. Um, this is an interesting group. I really like this group. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting one as well. One of the more active uh, groups. Japan has some quality there. They're the best team in in, in Asia, in my opinion. 
Um, they, they have some pretty uh, solid players. Um, a lot of the likes that play in Germany, in the Bundesliga, um, mm -hmm. some even in the Prem, in Tukumi Minamo, um, that plays for Liverpool. Um, they have a guy that plays Portuguese soccer in Morita, solid six, uh, plays for Santa Clara. There, there's some decent guys in this, uh, this Japan squad. Um, they have Yoshida, formerly of Southampton, another guy that plays football in England. Uh, there's there's some decent players they're not at the, obviously at the level of germany and spain but i think that they will be very very difficult games for the likes of spain and germany they won't be easy uh blowover games for sure so i think that's what makes this group interesting is that third place or that third uh seeded team that you know could cause some could cause some problems for these mm -hmm. bigger teams in spain and germany as for the likes of costa rica and new zealand i, I honestly don't know who's going to qualify in that it could be a flip of a coin um mm -hmm. who knows but i don't see that team doing anything it's definitely going to be Spain and Germany. And I thought the seeding of Germany was so stupid. I don't know how they're a pot two team. They're so talented. Yeah, two, yeah. They're, they're like, it, sometimes like just thinking about the way the seeding works, it's so ridiculous. I understand that Qatar takes a spot because they're the host nation and they're mm -hmm. automatically in pot one. But I just found it so stupid that Germany was a, a second, a pot two team. But Well, I think what is Germany ranks eighth, in the, no, ninth in the world, I believe. And with Italy being out, that drops them down to eight. And then they should be technically in pot A, but then Qatar coming in, yeah, drops them back down. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. So which it, it is tough realistically, but like this Spain team really impressed me in the Euros um, against Italy. I think they showed that they were like a fantastic team, and they brought all the way to penalties. And for me, penalties has always been a flip of a coin. It's like for one of the worst ways to win and one of the worst ways to lose. It's like I don't know. It kind of just sucks. Spain but is yeah. This ahead, Spain team has quality. They do. Yeah, they don't have like this one guy that stands out like a superstar, but they're just very well rounded. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how Ferran Torres does. Um, if Adama gets called, how involved is he to be in this team? But they obviously have Murata up top. He's not necessarily the most dangerous of strikers and the most consistent of strikers, but he's still a decent, a decent striker. Um, mm -hmm. They got some. I'm excited for Pedri. Yeah, Pedri is going to be a very interesting first World Cup, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Then you have guys, experienced guys like PK and Jordi Alba, um, you know, being called into the team. And, and wonder doing... if Sergio Ramos is going to get called up yeah. this year. Wonder if Sergio Ramos, yeah, because he wasn't there for the Euros. So mm -hmm. uh, they they definitely have some interesting players and some ten year players that have been here and done that before and won the World Cup. So uh, it maybe it's one of their last real shots too. So it's gonna be interesting. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Group F, the group with Canada. What was it? Do you think Canada stands a chance? I don't know, Daniel. It's it's tough. It's a tough group, man. It's a tough group. It's a very tough group. Um, got yeah. Belgium, Canada, Croatia, Morocco. Mm, it's tough. Because I think Belgium, they are number two seed in the world, now overtaken by Brazil. Um, I also think that Croatia is a great team. I think we'll fare well against Morocco. But realistically in order for us to go on and make this world cup we need to at least take a point off of probably croatia which is a tough ask it's not a simple this isn't something that you is a you'll be able to do willingly they have to canada has to have probably one of the best games they've ever played and i think the best game they played in the whole qualifying was against panama uh when they beat them 4-1 i think that was the best game they had all qualifying and i think they really need to replicate that if not play even better than that to go on and beat a side like croatia I'm I'm honestly so excited to see that opening game between Belgium and Canada because, you know, the level of 
of uh, North American qualification is nowhere near that of Europe. I'm sorry. It's, it's just not. Even with, you know, Tata, Mexico, and USA have been in fine form either. So I'm really excited to see how a team like Canada, that's, you know, they're hot. They've had a great qualification, only lost two games, uh, didn't allow too many goals in the process. It's been a long, long way for Canada to get here um, in their qualification journey. But uh, I, I'm excited to see how they do against one of the world's best uh, international sides in Belgium. Belgium, they've always failed to do it and uh, get past that, get over that hump and even see a final or a semifinal. They've really struggled. Um, but uh, they're still, nonetheless, they're still dominant and they have a lot of f- like fantastic players. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is always one of them. The Hazard brothers, uh, Romelu Lukaku. Like, I'm really excited to see what Canada does against a team of that, that you know, stature. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Canada, they, they play a very um, dynamic game in switching formation. I'm just curious how uh, John Herdman will adapt to a team of this, you know, with this firepower that they have. It's going to be really interesting. I don't know. It's going to be a real testament of character as well for the Canadians. It is, especially because, like, first World Cup in 36 years, and a lot of these players play locally. There isn't too many Cana- players on the Canadian national team that do play in, in the top five European leagues. You got David Davies, and I think that's it. Ishtakio plays as well in Porto. Oh, Ishtakio plays in Porto. Tejan just moved to Belgium. There's there's some guys slowly. You got some guys that are slowly venturing out, but like this is a different beast. Milan going into play football in Serbia. So there's some guys that have been there, and so some more experienced than others for sure. But a lot of a lot of the current squad does play in the MLS. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of so guys playing MLS this is this is different. They're gonna they're gonna be coming up against a side like Belgium. You're gonna have guys like Ustakio and uh, Osorio going up against Kevin De Bruyne. And if you look at the difference in quality, they're like it's 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 night and day. Realistically, it is. Osorio plays in the MLS. Ustakio plays in, in in Portugal. And De Bruyne being one of the best midfielders in the world, playing in the Premier League, playing on a side like Man City. It's like. Yeah. Obviously, they idolize. I, I was listening to an interview with Osorio. Osorio said that he idolized Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne is like one of his favorite players. And he he says that he watches tape on, on De Bruyne all the time. But now having to go out there and play against them is completely different. Obviously, they're going to be an odd first. It's kind of like you're playing against your idols, which is absolutely insane. But at the same time, you got to get past that because your job is to go out there and do one thing and it's win. And against the Belgian side, it's going to be a very difficult task. Yeah, Roberto Martinez, the manager of uh, former Everton coach as well, uh, the manager of Belgium, he had high praise for Canada, said that he's been following along their qualification process and, you know, to essentially giving them a lot of respect for what they did over their campaign. And um, I don't think people are looking at Canada like these these guys from, from North America that, that can't really compete. Mm-hmm. I think that people, you know, there's there's a respect for Canada and the way and the way that they qualified and the way that they were dominant. And um, mm-hmm. there's obviously guys like Jonathan David and uh, Kyle Lahren's been very hot this qualification. And Alfonso Davies, he's going to join us after being getting finding his health again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the only way Canada really has success in games like Belgium and games like Croatia is through the counterattack. Um, that, that's where we're going to find the lot of success. I think we're going to, there's going to be a lot of sitting back, inviting in the pressure and trying to transition uh, with the guys that have speed in Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies and Tejan Buchanan. So that's where I think Canada will find the most success. Who knows? We still got a couple months to go and see what happens, but 
Um, mm-hmm. That's that's going to be a, the way they're going to have to beat these teams because Croatia, Belgium, they love possession. They yep. love it. So they're going to have to try to be patient and pick their moments. That's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. And then for Morocco, who knows? We could. I think we could take Morocco. I think we can too. They they obviously are a decent team as well, but they're. I think we can we can take Morocco. Just getting the points against these big sides is going to be the, the tough uh, tough task. We're going to move on to two more groups. We got Group G and Group H. Both these groups I love, by the way. Group G you got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. I think Brazil tops this group easily, but then these last three teams in well, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. This is a hard group, man. It's going to be sick. Like people um, don't realize, Serbia knocked out. Like Serbia finished ahead of Portugal, even though it was silly like the way they finished because we shouldn't mm-hmm. we should have gone automatically portugal but serbia did beat out portugal switzerland did beat Italy. out Italy. exactly Italy. so like yeah. these are these are teams that they should be respected these are european sides that are hungry they have a lot of young talent um and switzerland man they knocked out france from the euros like yeah. they, they literally were fantastic so mm-hmm. I, I i wouldn't put any doubt in switzerland man they, they got some some fantastic players and they work really well and gel really well together um, mm-hmm. every time they're called up. So, uh, and, and for Cameroon, Cameroon, they were the hosts of Afghan. They bowed out in the semis. Um, you know, they have some decent players, but I don't know if they're at the level of Serbia and Switzerland. So I think Serbia and Switzerland, that game is going to be the decider for second place. Mm-hmm. Gonna I also think though that Cameroon can go on and take some points away from Serbia or Switzerland, making their world cup journey way more difficult than it needs to be. You know what I mean? They're not going to be a team that anyone can just walk over. Like they're going to try to put up a fight and they're going to try to take, take points from teams. And that's going to be their job. And this is in their entire world qualifying. They want to go out there and play spoiler. And I think they have the ability to do that because this Cameroon side realistically isn't, they're a good side. They lost in the semis of AFCON and they lost it in penalty kicks. And like I said before, penalty kicks for me is a, is a toss of the coin. Although there is like goalkeeping skill in it involved and players and it's all the stress it's just that, like, I don't think big games like that, like, if it comes down to penalties, it's kind of like you lose in penalties, oh, well. It's just sort of the luck of the draw. But this Cameroon side has has big hopes to go into this and try to take points, possibly take a win against Serbia and Switzerland and try to squeeze into that second spot in this group. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting group. I think by far this is the best, like, well-rounded group. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Brazil's levels ahead of the other teams. Um, but for Serbia and Switzerland been the same group and then also you throw in a wild card like Cameroon it's gonna be very interesting to watch I think that this is the group the group of death I think my group of death yeah and then we got the final group Andrew you're buzzing with this one Portugal Ghana Uruguay and South Korea and I have one thing I want to say about this group quickly this Uruguay Ghana game yeah this get back to what is it 20 is 2012 no, it was 20, 2010. 2010. Yeah. 2010. Sorry, I was 2012. It was 2010 when uh, Suarez pushed the ball over the bar with his hand in the late in the game, and then Ghana went on to miss the penalty in Uruguay yeah, yeah. in the game. As a this is finally game. revenge. And I cannot wait to see the drama and the new this stories be a the headlines game. part of this game. Yeah, heated game. I love it. I cannot wait. This is this for me is going to be one of the games of the tournament I'm calling right now. Um, just simply because all the storylines and the headlines that are going to be going in and the and the emotion that's going to come into this game, it's going to be great. Yeah, Ghana's definitely going to want uh, to come back and and you know get their revenge because it was such a sour and like difficult moment for them and in, in their international footballing history so i think ghana is gonna really try to go out there and and win that game and 
and give a hard time for Uruguay. Honestly, and hang on, one more thing I want to say. Yeah, quickly. go for it. People think that Ghanaians have forgotten about this. Okay? They have not. They have I know not. some friends that have already posted about this on Instagram. They cannot wait. This was 12 years ago. They've been, oh my, they're, they're fuming for this game. I, it's, like, I, people already think they're like, oh, okay, whatever. It's 12 years ago. Like nobody remembers what happened. Oh, they remember. All right. And they're still furious about what happened. And this game is just going to be pure and raw passion. And that's all that's going to go into this game. I, I was, incredible. I was watching the draw and I'm like, I was really excited because Portugal got, very lucky. They didn't catch another European um, a European spot because you can only have two European nations per group max. Uh, and they didn't even get another one. So they got they got an Africa and they got a South America and they got an Asian um, team in South Korea. Um, and I think Portugal, with the talent that we have, uh, there's a lot of world-class talent. Ruben Diaz, Juan Cancelo, you know, the names, the list goes on besides Ronaldo, Jean-Felix, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Ruben Neves. Like, there's... This team's stacked top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And we got depth. And Ronaldo Sanchez, another guy. So looking at these teams, Portugal should definitely come first in the group. Mm-hmm. Definitely come first. Um, and then for, for second place, I think most likely it's going to be Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah. I think it's going to be Uruguay. Um, I, I don't see South South Korea really standing a chance. It's going to be an interesting game between South Korea and Portugal um, because the, the coach of South Korea is the former head coach of the Portuguese national team, Paul Bento. So now he's coaching South Korea. He's going to go against his former former nation that he got fired from. So there might be a little bit of bad blood there. Who knows? It's going to be interesting. Um, and then Portugal is going to want to really beat Uruguay because we got knocked out in the last World Cup, the 2018 World Cup, in, in the first uh, round of knockouts against Uruguay. We just were poor on that day. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget uh, just just the, the failed expectation. We were expected to go so much further than that. We lost mm-hmm. in the first round. Um, and it was just a tough, tough build as well. So I think for Portugal, they're going to have to go and just be professional and and play the way we've been playing because we've been we've been solid mm-hmm. um and i think for portugal this is the last you know the last world cup appearance for cristiano ronaldo he's 37 he's not getting any younger so mm-hmm. i think this is an amazing chance to really contend for it. and i think we have the team we this is the best team we've ever had uh in a very very long time so mm-hmm. i think i think portugal could do some serious damage this world cup I would love to see a Messi Ronaldo final, to be completely honest with you. And I think it is possible. It's possible. Yeah. Years, this is the year that it's possible. Well, Argentina's on, those are two legacies. on the opposite side. So, yeah. Yeah. Two legacies, two of the greatest players to ever live. There's always going to be, though, who's better Messi? Is, is Ronaldo better? Um, look, they're two of the greatest players of all time. I think easily one and two. I don't even think anybody else comes really close. Um and this could cement their final legacy, their final trophy that they go on to win in their international careers. And it's a big one too. And it is going to be a mad World Cup. I know. We forgot one group. Group L, bro. Italy, relax Colombia, with the group Ch- Chile, and uh, Nigeria, bro. We forgot group L, man. That's a tough group. <laughs> oh, it's a, Italy, should, Italy should favor that group, you know, nicely. But uh, Guys, we're going to be dropping a poll on the socials. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? So check that out and let us know who's going to win the 2022 world cup uh but daniel that about wraps it up for this episode uh episode 20 of season three man 20 wow um 
Oh, yeah, go check, out, go check out the socials as always and yeah guys that, that about wraps it up for this episode so yep we appreciate it as always thank you so much and uh we'll see you guys next week see you guys next week take care everyone see you later